Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode number 75. We're your host, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And Jen is missing in action. Jen, yes. Estás? <laughs> if you see Jen, tell her to hug a tree. We'll come and get her. <laughs> <laughs> so I know Jen usually cannot drink with us because she's at her home recording. Uh, we've suggested she put beer in her Starbucks cup, but we're still working on the kinks on that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you drinking today, comadre? So today, actually, this is something that I picked up for my birthday at Torrance Beer Cellar. Um, I went to Torrance Beer Cellar on my birthday and loaded up a crap ton of stuff into my little basket. And uh, Eddie said, it's your birthday, get whatever you want. And so I think he like, I think he bought like $100 worth of beer for me that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, an amazing present. But um, this is, I picked it up because it is a hard seltzer and I was trying to actually recreate the yummy hard seltzer that I had tried from Brewery X, which is an Anaheim brewery. And I saw this, this is Belching Beaver and I actually really like Belching Beaver's beer. So I thought, let me try their seltzer and it is no sugar added. It's low carb and it says it's juicy and refreshing. So um, that's what I have here. And it is raspberry blackberry hard seltzer, 5.5 ABV. And it's made with real fruit. Ooh, nice. I haven't tried this one before. This will be my first time. Ooh, excellent. I like that. Yes. There we go. I don't want to mess up my nails. <laughs> well, what, what are I, you drinking? Well, I'm having a with your dad in the kitchen. It's a local craft brew from Tehachapi. We've reviewed okay. their beers before. Oh, yes, yes. I knew it sounded familiar. Yes. And it says about this beer. I was with your dad in the kitchen. We were thinking blueberry. We were making blueberry muffins. We realized it must be Thanksgiving. Thanks living because the Fermenter wanted thanks living. I don't understand because <laughs> the fermenter wanted stuffing. I don't know. Maybe it's an inside joke uh, with hops. The tri uh, this triple dry hop juice bomb is backed with the freshest, newest hops and black currant. Uh, keep cold, drink fresh, unfiltered, and super hoppy. Sediment is normal. Let it settle and leave it behind. Always pour into a glass. Cheers. Local craft brew master. Okay. I'm super, super interested to know what this tastes like because I've never heard of a sour IPA and it's a double IPA. Yeah. So hurry and open it and tell me what you think. <laughs> it's an 8.5%. Let's see. Oh, geez. Ooh. Pour into a glass, they say. Well, look at that color. Oh, wow. That's nice. Just the color itself, one point. There's, yeah. uh, I poured with a bit of head because I wanted to catch it on the camera. But let's see. Wow. 
it's it's sour. You didn't even make a stink face. <laughs> no, because it's good. It's the way um, that I do when I drink sour beers. <laughs> it's not super sour. It it's sort of like a the zest, kind of the zest okay. taste. Uh huh. Um, and there's an undertone of berries. Ooh. And very refreshing. Um, it I could easily kind of compare it to like, have you had those um, strawberry lemonades? Like at a like anywhere. Like for instance, like at Red oh, Robin. like a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Uh, strawberry lemonade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's sort of like that, but without the sweetness. Okay. And it tastes super fresh. Like it's, it does not taste anywhere uh, synthetic at all. It's really nice and it's smooth. Sort of like you could throw ice in there and drink it like on your porch. And where did you find this beer? I got it at 310 and okay. it's on, it's Crenshaw and Sepulveda. Like, do you, <laughs> see, like, do you have a, a, your own personalized parking spot there? <laughs> It has my name on it. No. no, you know, I usually go when I pick up work um, around noontime. So there's not okay. many people in the parking lot, but I always get that main spot. Like be- the, the two main parkings, like right in front of the yeah, front yeah, entrance. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. I've yeah. only been there once, but um, they have a really nice selection. And oh, yeah. you said that you learned about this beer on their Instagram. They um, they share beers on Instagram that they just oh, yeah. got it. Absolutely. Okay, they, cool. they're, um, so if you follow them on Instagram, um, they post of whatever new shipment comes in. So um, like, you know, because I don't know, I don't know if they even really know what they're getting sometimes uh, or when they're getting it because of this pandemic stuff, social distancing. Uh, that's true. So, um, oh, yes, actually, little side note, but it is related. I saw in the news the other day that the beer industry is suffering because there is an aluminum can shortage. Oh, what? Yeah. What? And, and right across the street, um, I actually live right across the street from the Strand Brewery in Torrance. Yes. And in the beginning of the pandemic, when we, when we were just doing curbside before we opened and then went back to curbside, I went to go buy some beer and they didn't have any crawler cans. They were saying oh. they were having a hard time getting crawler cans. So, um, so anyway, yeah, we just, I just saw that on the news the other day that the beer industry is suffering because of it. That's terrible. You know how many um, breweries have invested in a canning machine? I mean, yes. one yes. of the last ones to get a canning machine that I know about is Smog City because they were bottling all their brews. Oh, right. uh, but then they, they got their canning stuff just before COVID um, and they're, they were able to fill crawlers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's a can shortage, then all that money they invested in the machine is not, yeah. it's, it's not supplying the demand. That sucks. And they won't, re- and they won't fill uh, glass growl- growlers or uh, uh, the reusable growlers because of COVID. Right. Yes. So, I mean, we have a lot of beautiful, <laughs> beautiful glass uh, growlers, but we can't fill them because they won't. I do didn't that. even think about that actually. Um, yep. The red car is refilling growlers because oh, I I've, I've just went the last three days because <laughs> they have they have a wheat beer that I love and they only 
brew it during the summertime, which never used to be the case, but now that's just, cause I guess it's not that popular, but it's one of their mainstays. So they do it during the holiday or during the summertime. But because of COVID, it's lasted a lot longer than it usually does because not that many people are going and they're just not going through it as quickly. So I've had the opportunity to go and fill my growler up uh, multiple times over the last couple of weeks. And what I do is I have them give me um, lemonade to go in a little can and I come home and I make homemade shandies. Wow. So good. Oh, that's awesome. So when they refill your growler, do they wash it there again or? They do. I wash it at home, but when I go in, they don't wash it. They just fill it up with some water and, and solution of some sort. And they kind of just like mix it up a little bit and then rinse it out. No, that's good because um, when I was filling growlers back before any of this, one of the rules was like, if you, br you don't bring your growler clean, we won't sell you beer. Like, so, yeah. but now with the COVID thing, I would imagine that they put an extra effort right. into having it clean somehow before uh, serving it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So I'm glad that they're still, <laughs> and in case you don't know, and if you live in the South Bay, if you're an IPA lover and you, um, you like to try different IPAs and can, uh, compare them to each other, the Red Car Brewery in Torrance, California has an IPA that is literally liquid crack. Like that stuff is so addicting and people love it. I've actually witnessed people come into the restaurant and ask for it and be told that they were out. This is back in the day when they were like just starting, told they're out. And these people like actually have like emotional, physical reactions and like start throwing a hissy fit over it. I'm like, oh my gosh, calm down. It's just beer. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it's um the Red Car Brewery was my gateway brewery. They are the brewery that turned me on to beer and basically showed me that beer can taste good and it should taste good. And none of that stuff that you know I drank in college here, like where I drank Rolling Rock and thought I was fancy. <laughs> I used to drink Fosters and thought I was fancy. Ooh, an import. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Oh, my God. I can't believe I admitted that. <laughs> um, have you gone down to the other, um, I don't know, I think it's called Cantina something. It was right across the street from your old apartment. Yes, Tortilla Cantina. Yes, they have like a huge selection of craft beer on tap. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. They generally, I think it's 25 or 35 taps that they have um, at all times. Now during COVID, I don't know if they keep as many open, but because um, they actually have procured a large amount of the parking spaces outside and they've expanded their patio out into the street. Mm -hmm. And so they actually can fit quite a few tables outside socially distancing from each other. And so um, whenever I go by, like walking, driving, whatever, it's always packed. Um, and it's just, it's a really nice neighborhood location where people go and hang out. And right before COVID, they started I went to the inaugural 80s um, karaoke night, and I was like, I was 
pumped to like go every month. They were going to have it once a month. And you know, I belted out my sweet child of mine rendition. And I was like, so excited to, to force people to listen to that once a month. <laughs> but then COVID happened. So th that we went in February and then we never got to March. But um, that's all to say that it's a, a really uh, favorite local hangout. But you know, if you are ever in the area, it's a really great place to go and try new beers. Yeah, you know, I saw their list once. I think when I think when we helped you guys move like years ago, and I'm like, we're gonna come back here, and we never did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, uh, they have a really great selection. But sometimes, like you're just used to going to the to the actual brewery. Yeah. You, you know, you don't end up doing that. But and no shade to the tortilla cantina, but it's cheaper to go to the actual brewery because their beers are like seven to eight dollars. Um, and I can go to, I can go to the strand across the street and get a pint for, of something for like five to $6. That makes sense. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, guys, it's time for Chisme de la Semana. What do you have for us today? Okay. So in my Chisme today, it's something that I'm kind of excited about because one of my favorite comic book writers, Brian K. Vaughn has a book that is again being taken and made into a tv series now why the last man has been on people's radar being a series i think for quite some time because i've been all about that that's like my favorite comic ever um story-wise and i just have never seen it move forward and then i guess you know COVID has put a lot of filming on on and hiatus hold. and on yeah. hold like all the disney plus marvel stuff is is pushed back so that kind of sucks about that but this week um it was announced that paper girls mm -hmm. um a series also written by brian k vaughn is going to get a series from amazon Ooh. and to me amazon i think is like one of those one of those um platforms that can really afford to do justice to an adaptation i think like, absolutely like the they have the money they have yes the boys oh that's uh, so good absolutely so um for those of you who don't know um brian k vaughn and cliff chang um, are the creators, the, the writer and the artist. And Paper Girls is actually, they, they used to, uh, when, I, when it was out in, in series and people would ask me what's it about, I would tell them, think Stranger Things, but with girls. Ooh. So um, a little description, um, Paper Girls is about four young girls who uh, they have their, uh, they have pepper routes. Um, which where the term paper girls comes from. Okay. But while they're out delivering papers on the morning after Halloween in 1988, um, they unwittingly become caught in a conflict between warring factions of time travelers. What? It sends them on an adventure through time that will save the world. And as they travel between present, past, and the future, they encounter future versions of themselves and now must choose to embrace or reject their fate. An emotional adventure in which the girls and the women they eventually become are tough, their friendships are authentic, and their journey through time is epic. Now- Wow, that's amazing. I'm not gonna lie to tell you and say that um, I actually finished this series because 
by, mm, I would say issue 10, I was like, I still don't know WTF is going on. So I'm out until the trade comes. <laughs> but like I said, Brian K. Vaughn is one of my favorite writers. So I have faith that it went somewhere. And I've heard, you know, some of the customers come in the shop and say that they, they loved it and that they really um, were glad that they stuck with it. So um, I will definitely finish reading it before um, I'm sure I have plenty of time. But that is my cheesemate because um i am excited that it's a brian k vaughn uh piece and that it's going to amazon so keep an eye out for that there is no uh projected date for it which makes perfect sense in these days and times but um i don't know we probably talked about why the last man years ago when that came out too and here we are still <laughs> waiting so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt for what it's worth yeah <laughs> totally get it um I also heard that Netflix is picking up or going to start um, doing, uh, they're in talks about a Sandman uh, series. Yes, yes, I'm I not, saw that. I'm not excited about it because of COVID. Like, who knows when they'll even start. Yeah. I mean, if they're talking right now, who knows when they'll cast, who yeah. knows when they'll film. Right. So right now, um, right now, I'm really just excited about the audio stuff that I want them to move forward with more books or all right. So, well, do you know the time frame that it took to actually complete the audio? Like, was there, was it a time intensive thing to, to do that? Do you know, like, would I, it be, uh, would it be out of the realm of possibilities for us to expect for them to continue to do it? Um, I think so because everybody who does their own thing, they're not in the same room recording it. They're right. recording it, uh, remotely. Mm -hmm. their audio um and then um i think the thing is just the editing part because they take so many takes in order for the and then they cut and paste i wouldn't it's not that simple cutting and pasting but um yeah, yeah, they're yeah. the ones who edit edit it down um that's what i read so far so i don't okay. know um i think with the remote recording i think that can be possible but yeah. Um, I wouldn't know how long it would take to actually, you know, cause you add music and actually the music that was composed for that series was, uh, the guy who did, uh, the music for Harry Potter. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a really high production, like they, they, they spent a lot of money on this. Okay. Uh, so, um, so I don't know if it's in the realm of possibilities money wise or even just, uh, I mean, I, I feel that it's more, is easy, easily to do, um, easier to do than actual filming of a series, you know, because yeah. it's voices and stuff. I think the only snag that they would come up against would be like, if the actor is busy during that time. Got it. Because they're all different sorts of really great right. actors and they might have other projects, you know, in the works right. or pending. So, but yeah, I mean, I want to be excited about the series, but who knows when that'll happen, like you said, because of all the situations. I do trust Netflix uh, because their production value for most of things that I've seen that they've done that are Netflix originals has been really great. Um, but also Sandman is one of those properties that if you don't put 110%, it could turn on you so easily and can be so cheesy and so just like very, like, I don't know, like I'm trying to think of something that 
we've seen adapted that was horrible. Like any Stephen King movie. <laughs> Besides Misery and Shawshank and like those ones. But, <laughs> but um, I get it. <laughs> but no, I completely agree. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. Um, so we'll just have to see. I mean, I, I think if anything, the biggest obstacle right now is just social distancing. Right. So other than that, I mean, I feel completely confident about it. It's just, um, it's just going to take some time. We got to be patient with that too. And I'm sure that's the same case with paper girls. Right. Um, I did also hear that the Sandman will be actually taking place in the present. So, we'll, okay. yeah. So it's not going to be like the eighties. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Because it's, he said, uh, He's going to adapt it more towards this time, you know, I guess with social media and mm -hmm. cell phones and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be in prison longer than, you know, how he was captured uh, and imprisoned by that mage. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. So he's going to be in captivity longer. Okay. So, uh, and I'm like, okay, I trust you because you're Neil Gaiman and this is your <laughs> baby. But um you know there's a lot of things in the story that pertain to that 60 year capture right yeah so uh i don't know what's gonna happen but whatever i'm i'm here for it um and uh so yeah so that's that's gonna be interesting because i'm sure they're gonna include cell phones and yeah, yeah media yeah. and stuff like that so uh, it'll be a slightly different but i'm you know i trust them you know and it's just happiness to know that the series you love is going to actually be you know something you can watch um another thing i heard was that uh they, they were going to be captured longer and that they were really happy because this is the time to film it with all the um type of uh what is it called social uh special effects out there so, oh, yeah. So with yeah. the green screen and all of that stuff, they're able mm -hmm. to make more of these magical realms a possibility right. with not much work. So it's right. pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. Um, well, I mean, I think there's a built-in audience that is going to follow anything that Gaiman does. And um, like you said, our weight is unknown. But um, I just look at the success that this audio audible thing had. It was just amazing. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. 100%. What is also a achievement is that I attended an Eisner award because it was <laughs> online and I never, I never thought I would be able to like see one, but this was the coverage that was online. It was hosted by Phil Lamar and it was the 32nd and uh, 32nd annual Will Eisner comic industry awards. And, um, uh, just some highlights. Uh, Best Show Story was Hot Comb, which is something that I've been oh, wanting to yeah. read. Yeah, I've been wanting we to have it at the shop. <laughs> we got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just some highlights on people that I yeah. think I know. <laughs> I, I don't know that they know that I know them. <laughs> <laughs> Best Anthology was uh, Drawing Power, Women's Stories of Sexual Violence, Harassment, and Survival oh, by Diane Newman. I'm... I was like, never oh, heard of that one. I never heard of it. And I'm like, so interested in reading and it. And there's so many anthologies that I, I know that we reviewed and that we've heard of and stuff. And so that's interesting that that one wasn't on our radar. Exactly. So it's on my radar now. 
um also best reality based work they call us enemy by george takai oh that's isn't awesome. that awesome yeah that is super cool we got to review that one too <laughs> um also best writer and artist is rihanna tegelmeyer for guts oh i haven't read guts yet but i reina wins an eisner no matter what she does she scribbles <laughs> on toilet paper and she wins an eisner <laughs> and she won two this year she She's also amazing she deserves it best publication for kids ages 9 to 12 for okay. guts as well so oh, nice yeah uh we reviewed ghosts from yes. her and we totally loved it um and that was some of the highlights also best adaptation from another medium snow glass apples by neil gaiman and oh. colleen duran uh that was a dark horse book so that was like I was able to watch Phil Lamar go through these and I was like, Oh my God, I'm finally watching an Eisner <laughs> award. Um, but yeah, he, um, he actually welcomes people to who received their award to make a little video and maybe publish it. So, oh, nice. Accepting their award. Yeah. Okay. So that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and David Mack was nominated for four, but he didn't win. Aw. But well, he's amazing. I mean, you, you're bringing up a, a point that I think deserves a little recognition um, on a podcast all about comic books in that this week was actually the week that San Diego Comic-Con International was scheduled to occur. And um, generally we all are in attendance there. And, you know, I go on a Wednesday and I stay till sometimes Monday, we drive back on Monday. And usually on my trip home, I'll stop off at different breweries along the way between San Diego and Los Angeles. And that was been, that's been my, tra my uh, tradition for the last couple of years. And so I'm super, super missing Comic-Con this year. Um, and my um, Facebook feed is just full of all the creators and fans and everybody that I know that is just posting stuff. And Comic-Con at home has been super amazing. Like, I hope they do something mm -hmm. similar to this every freaking year from now on because being able to get to the panels on time or if you miss it, watch it whenever you freaking want and not have to stand in line or sit uh, really far, sleep in the freaking marina for eight <laughs> hours to get into Hall H. Like, seriously, it is, like, so freeing. Yes. To mm -hmm to get and I've watched a few I there's a ton more that I want to see and go back and look and and even the like quote-unquote Hollywood stuff is up that you can just see and like I know that Hall H usually and Ballroom 20 will release their stuff later but mm -hmm. even though that's the case when you're there you feel like oh god I gotta be there because I'm here yeah and so yeah. I actually am super happy that they're they're doing this and that it was so well done and that um, there is some kind of presence of Comic-Con that is still happening or that still yeah. happened this week. So I'm really sad about it. And there's you no, know, some people that I've made friends with that I've only ever seen or met at Comic-Con and we oh, reconnect yeah, yeah, yeah. every year at comic-con and you know we'll, we'll talk on facebook throughout the year but you know we see each other in person just that one time so um mm -hmm. that's sad to miss out on that and i mean it is just it is the mecca of comic book and pop culture fans every year so it's a big yeah. it's a big hole in there's big announcements that happen every year 
Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and um, like you said, like I have um, my cousin and his wife, uh, they live in San Diego. So every year we'll like go have drinks, you know, because I mean, mm -hmm. we don't go visit all the time. And so yeah. since they're there during Comic-Con, of course, because they live there, we get a chance to have dinner and some drinks but you know that is no longer the case but yes like you said it's really freeing to be able to see these panels um at home like you said uh the only thing i miss is asking questions like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah in the panels yes yes uh, because i always love asking questions i like to be involved um and i like them to know the panelists that they're being heard you know right because some yeah. people which i do not like but i completely understand is how some people go into a panel that doesn't have that many people and has chairs and just goes there yeah. to relax between convention <laughs> <laughs> they eat their lunch they're yeah. checking their texts you know it's yeah. like i get it you're tired and there's chairs because there's not many places to sit around right. the convention yeah. floor um and and then everybody all the everybody's being ushered just keep walking keep walking kind of thing so these people just sneak into panels just to rest yeah. so yeah. for me when i attend panels i like to ask questions and participate because i want the panelists to know that there are people in the audience that are there for the panel right yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, guys, Jen is here. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I was a little busy beforehand, but I am here now. Uh, apologies for the late entry, but I'm here now. Hooray! <laughs> we are complete. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. And what are we reviewing today? Today, we have... Um, it, was it a, I'm trying to think, was this actually a webcomic first or no? Uh, I know? don't, I don't know if there was a webcomic. I think it was released, the issues and the story was released in a magazine format is what I read. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I read that too. Well, um, we are reviewing Elisa y los Mutantes. Um, and it's a comic book about a college freshman, Elisa and how she deals with this new universe filled with weirdos and freaks. <laughs> That's what, that was the description that I found on it. And one of the things that I actually really thought was kind of cool, and I'm going to share it with our listeners, um, is that they have, um, in the first pages of the comic, they have a little sheet that says that um, they think it's important to give context um, of where the idea of this book came from. So I'm going to mm -hmm. share that with you um, right now. So it says, um, before you start your journey through these pages, we think just to get into context, you should know this. During the years 2011 and 2012, the Chilean youth sprouted a revolution. Kids from different schools, high schools, occupied the streets, demanding from their government a change. Free, autonomous, and high-quality education. This occupation soon turned into a countrywide movement called the Penguin Revolution because of their school uniforms, which inspired other areas of Chilean society and pushed them into action. This comic is inspired by that youth, youth that fought the powers that be with their own bare hands. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I know we were talking a little bit before that you, you spent some time in Chile and you said that this actually kind of reminded you of that. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, Chile, uh, during, I think, the 1960s, 1970s, uh, there were, a, the Chilean government was actually making people disappear. Like, they actually disappeared. There were actually um, even um, protests of women who were like, where are our sons and where are our daughters? Where, you know, where are our fathers? You know, because they would completely disappear. There was a time where they would um, fly in, in the ocean and then just drop all the bodies and they will wash up on shore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was horrific, horrific. And I mean, nobody was spared. I mean, they even went after like priests. I mean, people wow. of the cloth because mm -hmm. they were helping out the, um, the rebels in a sense, you know, the they were helping them organize or like yeah. giving them like materials and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, because of that, I kind of like looked into it. I like vaguely remember, uh, it being on the news, uh, and I was taking uh, like AP World and AP US History and stuff like that. So um, I remember I had to. Someone did a project. It wasn't me, but someone did a project on that protest that was going on around 2012, when I was still in high school in 2012, uh, when that was going on. Because I, oh God, when when was the Occupy Wall Street protest going on? Was it around that time too? I can't recall. Time. I remember going downtown Los Angeles and mm -hmm. participating in some of those protests. Mm -hmm. um, and I was working for a, an organization and I worked for that organization between 2007 and 2012, 13. So I think it, and it was towards the end. So I think it could have been around that time. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. It, they started around, uh, September 2011. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I remember that's when that was going on. While the Occupy Wall Street uh, was very short lived, the Chilean mm -hmm. protests were they lasted a lot longer. They lasted two years from 2011 to 2013. And it wasn't just about like the students protesting. It was mostly it was it was a protest about how uh, education was 50% uh, privately run. Mm, over 50 okay. percent privately run um, um but it was also about environmentalism gay rights um uh like farmers and like wages and stuff like that uh basically like it was all combined but it was like it was the students who like really like organized and put it together and uh like really made it happen um i'm trying to see i believe there was changes made uh i can't really find anything uh because i i never really found anything about the student protest and whether there was like real deep actual change uh-huh um uh... but yeah during the time i was there um the the fellow that i went to go visit he took me <laughs> on a um uh, kind of wait a walk. we're rerouting back to cheeseman <laughs> he was taking me on a walking tour of this of Santiago de Chile and uh, there were a lot of like landmarks and stuff he was telling me about and uh, from what I can gather there was I mean obviously you the government makes people disappear I mean what kind of you know government um, kind of uh, relationship with the people so this this reading this book reminded me a lot of that kind of walking tour and information that he was giving me mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't remember 
anything about this. And so when I was reading this, I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, I'm, I, it's very interesting. I want to look back into it. So um, the, the book itself kind of is a, a impetus for me to go back and learn about that. And with just the crazy stuff that is going on here within our own United States, um, this book was very, very relevant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt, I felt so seen, <laughs> but in a different language. But, you know, I totally get it. Yeah. And this is actually a publication from Malpache Studios. Mm -hmm. That's mal www.malpache. It's not Malpache. I'm, I keep saying it wrong. It's Mapache. Mapache, Studio. yeah. Uh, dot org and uh, on Facebook you can find it at Mapache Studios. So um, they are a, uh, a couple of guys who started this um, this company, this publishing company. And the way we found out about it was because one of the fellows came to Latino Comics Expo in Modesto last year, and he came with his backpack and kind of rushed in. <laughs> Yeah, kind of uh -huh. rushed in all flustered and stuff. And then immediately, super friendly, just came up to me. And I think I was trying to get our, our table information. And he just kind of came up to me and shook my hand. And he's like, he was just so excited to be there. And he had such a friendly demeanor. And that was really awesome. Uh, now, the uh, Malpacha Studios is, uh, this is the story of two friends who united by rock, united by rock and roll and sausages would <laughs> undertake the odyssey that nobody could design, um, would design to finance their dreams by acti activating their fantastic powers. Oh, wow, they're really geeky. <laughs> <laughs> they would shape up a humble comic studio, which slow but slowly but surely builds stories that break asphalt. This way, they would discover that, uh, discover that to make stuff, you just need to make them, plunging themselves into this marvelous adventure full of marvelous adventures. Rodrigo Oso Vargas uh, is the pro, uh, art, artistic production, and uh, Fernando El Chuck de Peña, which is the fellow I met, uh, the uh, professional creative coordinator. Um, Malpache Studio sees itself as a comic producing house, even if it's just two guys. We try to build comics with and for diverse people that struggle for new narratives and aesthetics in sequential art from the south of the world, working in a global perspective. Exploring this page, you will you can discover more about what we can create, who we are, and what we think and how we work. I thought that was cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so you, you mentioned Fernando de Peña, who's the writer, and Rodrigo Vargas, the artist. But interestingly enough, um, from the episode that we just did, um, Postcards in Braille, called um, Connie Giovannini's was the letterer in this. Yes, comic. yes, yeah. absolutely. And the way they, they put it, it's so funny. It's like, um, they, they're like, uh, Fernando de Peña is, uh, no, what is it called? Something about the blah blahs. Creator of the blah blahs or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. What is this? But it was yeah. it was pretty cute. It was pretty cute. And and for artists, they said that uh, Rodrigo Vargas was like the uh, fight scene coordinator. Or yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was super cute. It was it was really cute, but it kind of made it hard to like wait like who's yeah. who's doing what. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, the book itself, it was really interesting. And for a moment, uh, I had thought that it was going to be like a kind of like an X-Men thing. 
when I was first reading it. And that's what I kept expecting. So the first time I read it, I was very confused. I was just like, wait, what's going on here? But then once, like, uh, towards the end, there's, like, a piece of back matter that explains uh, a little bit more of, like, it's more of a synopsis, but it made the distinction that uh, Elisa is fighting the students who have been mutated by the corrupt student government. Okay. And, yes. uh, and that uh, the longer that someone is in the university, the more mutated they get from yes. their original human form. Uh, and I think that was very important yeah. to, that should have been said in it the should beginning. should have been front matter. <laughs> yeah, it should have been, it should have been front matter. It should, uh-huh. they should have just given me that in the beginning. Because uh-huh. towards the end, I was like, I was just like, I'm not entirely sure, but once I read that, and then I reread the entire thing. I was just like, oh, okay, a lot more makes sense now. Yeah. Um, um, so it's, uh, it almost sounds like an X-Men thing, especially when you see Elisa y los mutantes. That translates to Elisa uh, with the mutants or Elisa and, and the mutants. Uh-huh. And the mutants. Uh, whereas, the, so I thought it was like, it was like a kind of like, uh, Kitty and the X-Men or Wolverine and the X-Men or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but it wasn't. It I think it should have been Elisa contra los mutantes. Yeah. And yeah. that would have definitely, or like that once that was clarified, that would have helped a lot more uh, with the beginning. But as it is, it was very informative and it was very interesting too mm-hmm. because it kind of uh, it it contextualized how the protests like not only because you get you you have your mutants of course and stuff like that but it kind of gave a role to like a lot of the like the students who are fighting against the corruption of of the school and then how there are certain students that you kind of see or that you can reflect with somebody that you know that works in an organization or something like that who is like the enemy or how they how they operate and stuff like that and i thought that was i thought that was really cool i thought that was a a real a good use of kind of like these like this is how this is how this villain is and it's somebody that is that you can see in the world except they've been shown their true self in that they're a mutant now right mm-hmm. <clears throat> well for me i um I really love this book. This is Sarah, and I, I really love the art. The art was just really great. Uh, oh yeah, I, it was really nice. The movement of the fight scenes was amazing. The drawing of her. Um, to me, I one time I went to a rave, and I took some ecstasy, and <laughs> throughout what the whole, <laughs> we're getting all the segments today. <laughs> yep. During the whole time that was I was at this rave. I was walking around in, I wouldn't say in a circle, but I kept following like a crowd of people, not them particularly, but a, just walking, 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 walking everywhere. And the um, imagination that I had, the imaginary kind of context of that rave was that I was in an airport where an alien airport where a bunch of aliens would come and travel to their destination. And so this is how this felt. Like, um, these are people, but in this comic book, the way they are inside is coming out through the outside, through their, through their appearance. So they're not necessarily mutants per se, but the, the fact that their minds are changing the way they are thinking or how they are thinking or how they are absorbing the education they're getting is transforming them on the outside. 
So uh, yeah. when you see like that guy who is like a total, total fuck boy at the bar trying to get yeah. all the girls, he uh-huh. looks like a fucking blob because he's yeah. so like slimy and greasy and disgusting. Yeah. And when you see like that, that other, uh, uh, the debate queen, who she's like, oh, yeah. yeah, like she's like really tall and kind of like, you know, stands her ground and stuff like that. And when uh, she's debating the debate queen's boyfriend, he, whenever he talks to her, like you see his, his words kind of uh, attack her and she mm-hmm. just kind of like, so it's Deflect sort of them. like, deflect. so it feels like a kind of a sucker punch kind of thing. I don't know if you yeah. saw that movie where, uh, you you know she's in a institution but in her fantasy world she's fighting some kind of like secret organization with her buddies uh but in the end you see that the reality is completely different from everything we've seen in the imaginary world that she's living in so yeah. that's how i uh, this this is what i i felt and took from this comic book i really love her notes i don't know if you guys mm-hmm. uh, those uh, little square uh paper the the paper with the graph paper yeah uh, those were actually her notes and one of them was mm-hmm. i mean it was it's something it, it's kind of a kind of a teaching book because i uh, you know, when she was uh, doing her notes about the project about um, biographical information of m- mentors, men, quote unquote, who have uh, influenced society. And so th- she makes a note about um, uh, uh, Charles Babbage, who is the father of computing. And then Ada Lovelace is in the back with their little scowl. And so mm-hmm. I looked them up and apparently Ada Lovelace helped in making the first computer and but she has no no one ever talks about her exactly so i was like there's all these little notes um in um in her notes in her notebook as in the middle of the storyline so i thought that was really great um i really love the political chapter like when they actually um got together and were trying to she was explaining how even though they believed in something mm-hmm. and to fight for it, there was a lot of different aspects from other people coming out. And that's probably what you're talking about, Jen, where yeah. it was also uh, not only a process about school and education, but a process mm-hmm. about many other things. So that came out in the comic book story, I felt. Um, and I really, I actually really liked it because it actually had another element where uh, when she was, she would come across another mutant, um, person that she had to fight there was kind of a little like i don't know if you guys used to collect comic cards um comic book cards where they you had the character and in the back you flipped it and it had like the power and uh, oh, uh-huh. what their name yeah. was yeah. and mm-hmm. you know what uh what their power mutant power was or whatever and um mm-hmm. so that i really like because they did that like they let you know who she was gonna fight and what right. they were, um what their name was, what their age was, what what they're studying, and what their superpower is, or whatever. I thought that was super cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it is worth mentioning that the creators themselves describe this comic as revolutionary satire, um, and oh, it's, yeah. it's very very um, apparent when you're reading it how um, how uh, it really parallels the actual people that you're meeting when you go to college. Um, yeah. And it really reminded me of being a freshman in college. Like the, the Los Mutantes, it's like 
very real <laughs> because <laughs> I'm a, I was a small town girl. So I don't know if you two coming from Los Angeles, when you've experienced something new that um, what it was like for you, Jen, specifically to go to UCLA and, and every freaking day, there's a new cause. There's a table on the quad. <laughs> there's there's yeah. 50 tables on the quad that all have different causes. And mm -hmm. you your, you yourself are mutating. And, and actually, Elisa mutates as well if you, yeah. if you pay attention to what happens to her in the comic. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in college, that's almost like, I mean, it's a very transitional period in life. And mm -hmm. even if you're not going to college, those years, 18 through 20, whatever, it's very transitional and you're meeting new people and you're experiencing new things, but specifically at college, like it's very empowering or it can be very empowering. It can also be very disempowering depending on where you, you lie on that, mm -hmm. on that hierarchy, but it can be very empowering to learn about these causes that you may not have ever known about before and to mm -hmm. just like be angry about it and want to do something about it and you're out there you know marching or making signs or going to your meeting every friday and i can mm -hmm. see how it can very easily take over who you are and mm -hmm. so i found that very interesting the way that that was portrayed in the book and mm -hmm. um how but then at the same time sarah you made a, a a point too like I was thinking that and I was looking at those characters but then you come across the creepy douchey guy and you're like mm -hmm. he didn't transition into that that's who he always was that's true yeah <laughs> but Pretty, I yeah. and 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 I like how it shows also for instance her friend who takes her child to school every day and I thought yes. that was super mm -hmm. cute because that yes. that kind of like gives you a hint that you don't have to be 19 to go to college i mean she's a yeah. mother and older and going to college and i at the beginning when they did the whole hazing episode i thought oh this is not going to be something i'm gonna like but as it went on it got even deeper and kind of philosophical in a sense yeah. i mean there was a line in the comic that i really loved it said the ballot box the ballot box is the coffin where you bury our freedom and i was like whoa oh yeah that one was that was deep. it deep deep stuff so it kind of starts off lighthearted, and then it transitions into like deep serious issues that uh she's dealing with yeah and no mm -hmm. and all these chapters are are different mm -hmm. um and it's in a continuing series so i don't know what the outcome would be like what graduation but uh, yeah but it's really yeah. it's I, I really enjoyed it i i really did i think this book was written in spanish and translated to english yes and it yeah, shows yeah. a little it bit. definitely feels like that yeah it shows a little bit but there are times where she act openly says puto or you know <laughs> like, like she'll, <laughs> she'll say something like in spanish and you know like and and that one I'm glad you brought that up, Kristen, that one image where she looks at herself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, mm -hmm. whoa. I had to actually look at that again. Yeah. Because I was like, wait, what am I looking at? Okay, okay. So uh but yeah, it's 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 and even the dishwashing scene was deep. It went because the the she said, Originally I didn't like you. Yeah. But now I know you. Mm -hmm. And then when 
the dishwashing person or mutant uh, makes a joke about, you know, dishes and people. But it was kind of a, a throwback at uh, Forrest Gump. But then, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then again, mm-hmm. it's really deep too. It's I don't know. It's just it's really it's a really giving book. I think I really liked it. Yeah. Do you guys have any more points to hit on this one? Um, I'm just looking mm-hmm. at my notes. Um, something that I wanted to share with our listeners um, that I came across just trying to find more information about their creators and also the um, the book itself. There is a website called chilecomics.cl that Ooh. is full of Chilean creators, comic uh, and graphic novel projects. Uh-huh. And they're all for sale. And there's some really awesome ones that I'm like, we can go on there and have freaking content for days. <laughs> um, and they they are all in Spanish. So it would take me a little while to, <laughs> to get through it. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know if maybe some of the creators also offer in English the way that Elisa y los Mutantes is. But I highly recommend um, you go and check it out. It's Chile Comics. They also have um, a Facebook uh, that you can mm-hmm. look at. But the actual website is uh, Chile, C-H-I-L-E, comics, um, dot C-L. So um, check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff. And I saw a lot of things. I was like, oh, my God, this looks so interesting. And I kind of think I know what that title says. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I want to read it just based on the art. So um, you you guys should check it out. And uh, Elisa y los Mutantes is on that website as well. Okay. Definitely going to check it out. Especially, I mean, we can... Remember the, the the days when we thought we would run out of Not content? content. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are a year later, yeah. uh, finally getting to uh, Elisa y los Mutantes <laughs> after he gave it to you last, last uh, March. <laughs> last March. That is so true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you can follow them on Twitter at Malpache Studios. They have a Tumblr, uh, the real Malpache... I say Malpache, it's Mapache, Mapache Studios. No so, L. Yeah, no L. Um, <laughs> or you could just go on their website, uh, mapachestudios.org, not.com.org. Oh, nice. So that means yeah. they're a nonprofit organization. Yes, exactly. Uh, so are we ready to that's uh, cool. rate it? That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the yeah. things, like when people give you the address and in my head, I'm like, Okay, Mapache Studios, right? <clears throat> so then I go on dot com dot com dot com, nothing comes up. And I'm like, okay, let me listen to okay, it's org. So, okay. <laughs> so like I, I do that a lot when like if I'm listening to the radio and something comes on and I'm like and then I search it and it doesn't come up, doesn't come up, and I'm like, okay, let me listen again, it's dot org. It's different. So um are we ready to rate the book? Yeah, yes. sure. Sure. Okay. You go ahead first, uh, Jen. Uh, I'm gonna give it two conchas, uh, mostly because I want I do want to know how it ends. I want to know if there's more about it and uh, how uh, how they address that very interesting ending for that issue. Because um, I don't want to spoil it, but it it ended on it ended on quite a cliffhanger. So. Mm-hmm. 
uh, once like once I know everything, maybe I'll give it a three. But for right now, it's a two. So uh, I want that extra content. What about you, Kristen? Um, I have to say that I read this the first time when I read a whole bunch of other stuff, and the context and everything went right over my head, and I was like, <laughs> "What? What did I just read? No, I don't. I don't like it." But when I reread it and I paid attention and I had like fresh eyes, um, I was like, this really, really like is deep and it's really mm -hmm. trying to do something here. And I mean, college does quote unquote change you and it can change you for the better. It can change you for the worse, depending on who you get involved with or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, um, I also am super interested in, in some of the, some of the interviews that I saw them doing or uh, that I read says that they have an idea of where they want to go with this and that they definitely mm -hmm. do have more story to tell. So I definitely am interested in that, but um, based on just this one, and this is their first comic for, for Mapache Studios. Oh, so this is oh, like wow. the very first one that they published um, in 2017. Uh, so um, based on all that all together, I'm going to give it three conchas. <laughs> wow. That's really awesome because yeah, pretty good. I love the art. I love the way they, um, did all the paneling was really great. Um, I really like that little, like I said, that little card, that little, um, um, like if you collected cards back in the day in the eighties or nineties, yeah. um, I love that little information, the blue power levels. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that really took me back to when we collected cards. So um, um, for me, it's going to be tres conchas and a, a, um, a glass of cristal beer, which is their beer. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, Chilean oh, beer, cool. yeah. So, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think, for their first comic, this is really well done. The art yeah. is amazing. Uh, the uh, paneling is really good. The um, translation, you can feel that it's translated from Spanish, but it, 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 it didn't disrupt the story for me at all. So I really enjoyed it. And it was really interesting because I, I learned some more about something that I didn't know. And as you guys know, I love learning in comics. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for On My Radar. Kristen, what do you have for On My Radar today? Well, actually, I have um, a book that came out in June um, but uh, with issue one. But the second issue just came out. And it's just so good that I want to talk to it because I haven't really talked about um, any books that I've been reading because books hadn't been coming out for so long. Um, yeah. But... Um, Boom Studios released a book called Wind, and that's Wind, W-Y-N-D. Um, and it looked really cute. Um, and I never go wrong with Boom. Like Boom, Boom Box, all of their... their Boom is great. I love them. So when this came out, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to read it. And um, it's actually, it was a surprise release. And why um, the reason why it was a surprise was because the um, original, uh, 
plan for this story was to be released as an original graphic novel in November. But when COVID oh. happened and all the shutdowns started happening or whatever, Boom decided that they wanted to uh, release individual um, issues out to the shops um, during the time when shops really needed, you know, uh, income and something to get people into the shops. Yeah. So um, that was why it was a surprise release. Um, they they really um, this was their this is their first series that um, has been announced and solicited outside the traditional solicitation cycle because it never really was because originally it was supposed to be an original graphic novel. So um, let's see. Uh, talk a little bit about the actual book. So the book itself is. Um, about it introduces the readers to a world where magical heritage is punishable by death. Wow. So if you have the ability Whoa, that's hardcore. to create magic or be magical, then you are sentenced to die. Um, so there is a young boy named Wind that has to keep his true identity including his little pointy ears that oh. would give him away. He has to keep it a secret from everyone. And he lives in a town called Pipe Town. And um, he has to keep it a secret, even if it means that he'll never have the normal life that he wants. So his secret, of course, is threatened. And Wind is forced to leave his home behind to embark on a dangerous quest that will put him in the heart of a royal conspiracy behind on his imagination so this book i've only read the first issue i have the second issue here because it came out this last week um but i haven't read it yet but the first one has me so endeared to the <laughs> world to the land to wind the character um the art is amazing actually um uh the writer is james tinian um who oh yeah james tinian who does something is killing the children and he also has worked on Batman and the artist is Michael dial. I can't say this name deal dial Linus. <laughs> um, he has worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and so they've previously collaborated together on um, the woods. So oh, okay. they've worked together before. Um, but the art is amazing. The, the story is just really good. And the fact that it is a, um, it was an original graphic novel and it's going to end soon um, because it's a limited series. Um, I like that kind of, I, I'm, I'm so right now, um, I don't have the emotional capacity to commit that far. <laughs> so the fact that I'm going to get the full story, you know, within, you know, five, six issues, I'm all about that right now. Um, but Boom has just, I've never missed with Boom. And so um, it's on my radar. I highly recommend it. Um, there are still, I believe, issues available through Diamond. If your local comic shop doesn't have them in the store. Um, it came out originally number one in June and the second issue in July. But check it out. Um, I highly recommend it. And um, let me know what you think. Excellent. Well, it sure. sounds really amazing, and it, I think it's right up Jen's alley. Yeah, definitely. Home. I love the I love magic fantasy stuff. That's my jam. I love it. <laughs> There's probably dragons. 
I know. <laughs> there probably will be. Like you can't have a fantasy story without a dragon. Yeah. If you doesn't have a dragon, you're not doing it right. <laughs> and now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Jen, what do you have for us today? Well, today I have well to begin with, uh, we've been doing a lot of Kickstarter, like we did a Kickstarter interview for uh, two people already, and that uh, made me curious. I I have a Kickstarter like profile, so I can back stuff, and I hadn't been on it in a while. So once we did all those interviews, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go and support them and stuff like that. Uh, then I was apparently reminded why I don't <laughs> go on Kickstarter again, because I went on Kickstarter, and then I promptly funded like nine to ten books. And I was just wow. like, well, my wallet's going to kick me in the ass once these get funded. But <laughs> do not regret it. And out of all of them, uh, this one sparked my interest the most. And it's called Manana, a Latinx comics from the 25th century. An anthology of Latina sci-fi comics set 1,000 years after the birth of Latin America. That's so, amazing. It sounds so yes, cool. It sounds amazing. So it is... Uh, the Mañana uh, book is the first sci-fi comics anthology from PNM Press. Uh, it is set throughout Latin America in the 2490s. Mañana wow. presents readers with a radical array of futures ranging from the post-apocalypse to liberationist utopia to slice-of-life magical realism. The book is 270 pages long with a black-and-white interior and features 27 young adult stories by Latin uh, creators throughout the U.S. and Latin America. And if you go to their page, to their Kickstarter, uh, they have like little snippets of, um, uh, of what is going to be in the book as well. And they have, they have it in Spanish as well. Their funding goal is $49,000, but that's because they're doing like global shipping as well. And they are already, as of right now, 60% funded. That's they, amazing. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they have 684 backers and they still have 26 days to go. Uh, so uh, I, I hope that they make their goal because it's something that they're already the fourth day in of their Kickstarter and they're 60% funded. That's like pretty good. Uh, but it looks absolutely beautiful. And they have a breakdown of where all the money is going to because $49,000 is a lot, yeah. but uh, they have a, a, like a small little like wheel of where they're going and 62% of the funds are going to go to the creators. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and it's, they have a lot of a lot of talent, a uh, talent. Some of them that I, I recognize like Desiree Rodriguez, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of them are also like not, they're not from the U S they're from Latin, they're Latin American creators and stuff like that. And they have original artwork uh, in the rewards, they have an enamel pin. They have the hardcover book, is the, like the base one. Uh, the base one is like nine dollars, uh, I believe. Uh, so the, they have like they have like if you just want to support, you like don't really like want the book. That's like five dollars. They have then they have a fifteen dollar one, which is the book uh, in PDF format. And then from there it keeps oh, that's on increasing. pretty good. Yeah, and they have like they have original artwork. They have a retailer slash librarian uh, um, uh, tier as well, where you can order five or six. Yeah, yeah, six copies of the book. As and they have uh, published more than that, but uh, it's they have a lot of content and a lot of talent. So uh, I definitely recommend uh, backing them. I already I backed them. Uh, I ordered two books. 
for it because I want to give one to my best friend because uh, I think this is something that she would love as well. And um, uh, they also have stretch goals as well, which includes translating the book into Spanish as well, uh, wow. which I believe uh, did they haven't. Okay, the, they haven't unlocked that stretch goal yet, but it. I have no doubt that they probably will. Uh, it's a stunning piece of work from what I can see on their uh, on their Kickstarter page. And I, I, I'm really super excited for it because it's not something that you see a lot is uh, Latinx sci-fi, mm -hmm. uh, sci-fi fantasy. And uh, usually the most that Latin America is known for is magical realism. Uh, but the fact that this is, this is including that as well, but it's like going beyond that as well. And I, I really, really like that. It kind of reminds me of uh, in... Uh, reconstruction? Yeah. Uh, not Is it Reconstruction or Puerto Rico Strong? No, Puerto Rico well, Strong was the one that did uh, Puerto Rican stories. Reconstruction was a future uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto okay, Rico yeah, in yeah. the future, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think Puerto Rico Strong also had like a few a future, like a futuristic one as well. I'm, I don't think. Recall, but yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. But I, I think for a fact that um, uh, uh, reconstruction was based on Puerto Rico, but in the future. Yeah. So it kind of like it kind of has that feeling of like in the future and stuff like that. There's some there's some sick designs for it that kind of use like you know like the like. Uh, kind of like the Maya slash uh, Aztec um, uh, art and symbols that it's like very stylistic uh, and that it looks it looks really cool so uh, if like they have they have tiers of course if you would just want to support the book you can just pledge five dollars and they'll give you a wallpaper so even if like oh, you don't nice. Yeah. So even if like you like you feel like you're not gonna get anything, or they're like, why should I support? It's just like it's just it's five dollars. Five dollars is like good enough, mm -hmm. and you get a cool sick wallpaper for it. But if you want like the book and stuff like that, they have the PDF, they have a hardcover version, they have a softcover version, and they have like so oh, okay. many tiers that you can support at. Uh, but it's it's something that I think definitely. Uh, can be brought to attention and it's definitely a thing that we have always advocated is that they are definitely putting it out there and being like we want to make this and look there is interest in it because it's just I'm still yeah. flabbergasted at that four days in and already 60% funded that's like, amazing that is amazing I don't think people really understand just how many projects don't get funded mm -hmm. uh, especially some of the bigger ones and this one's pretty big yeah yeah uh, the creator is Juanet Gil from Portland, Oregon, and he's a queer Afro-Cuban cartoonist and the one-man uh, show known as uh, that runs the Power and Magic Press uh, label. So it's just this one person putting this all together uh, with a bunch of creators, and he's definitely looking to support the creators as well. Uh, it's it's a big undertaking, and I hope it succeeds. Yeah, me too. I came across this project too in one of our uh, groups that we have on Facebook that I'm part of. Mm -hmm. And I saw it and I'm like, 40,000? Is that pesos? No. <laughs> <laughs> but then I read, then I clicked on the link and I read the Kickstarter and I saw the pie graph and I was like, 
Oh, I see. Because they're also uh, doing international shipping as well. I mean, yes. that's that's pretty expensive. Yeah, um, it's it is very. But not only that, like you say, uh, you just reminded me that sixty-five percent of it goes to the creators of this book. Mm -hmm. That's just freaking amazing. So I'm, I haven't backed it yet, but yes, I, I was in the process of backing it up while I was on hold, and then, <laughs> and then they answered the phone and I didn't complete the the trial. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm gonna go back and do it. One yeah. of the great things about this uh, Kickstarter is. Um, all the support they're giving to the creators, not just monetarily with the 69%, but when you go to the um, Kickstarter and the actual description and explanation, they have a list of every single creator and they are all links to their own sites and to their own bodies of work. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested to find out more about um, Latin, Latinx creators, this um, anthology is actually representing creators from Cuba, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Brazil, Chile, El Salvador, Argentina, Colombia, Honduras, and Peru. So, and you can go to the Kickstarter and you can just go down the line and click on it and learn all about a freaking slew of Latinx creators that, um, all deserve your attention and um, probably all have amazing bodies of work to share. So, um, and I was just thinking, dang, we just need to um, bookmark this page and just go down the line and just start, start <laughs> reviewing and, and interviewing and do all kinds of um, discovery on new creators. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, guys, it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to Goat's Head Studios. Pat and Mardell Nip. Can you guys help me with the last name? Nitupski. Nitupski. <laughs> yes, uh, they're the duo behind uh, Femora, the comic book, from, uh, the, the one that we just, re uh, we just uh, launched our YouTube, um, our YouTube channel with, the interview of Legends of Femora. And uh, they reached their Kickstarter goal, so we'll be getting that in the mail. I'm so excited about Yay. that. Yay! Nice. They reached your Kickstarter. <laughs> so you can actually read the comic book at um, FamoraComic.com. So you can actually read the book, not the entire book, but... No but uh, a great deal of it for free. Enough of it to force you to go and want <laughs> to buy it so that you know what <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> she was uh, at one o'clock, couldn't put it down because <laughs> she wanted to read the whole thing. Um, so yeah, congratulations to them. You can follow them on Instagram at Goats Head Studios. That's goats, no apostrophe, just goats and the S, Head Studios. Um, on Instagram or goatsheadbook.com um, and femoracomic.com as well to read the comic book. So saludos and congratulations to you guys. Thank you so much for being on our very first YouTube interview video launch. So <laughs> saludos to you guys. And you bring up a good point. Um, we do have a YouTube channel now and um, we need like a hundred subscribers before we can get a dedicated URL. So right now we just have some random number, but we need it to say um, Comadresi Comics. So go <laughs> watch the video and learn all about Fomora, but then like and subscribe so that we can get a dedicated URL. 
Yes. Please. Awesome. Please like and subscribe. <laughs> like, like and subscribe. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Um, where can they find us, guys? You can find us on Instagram at Comadres y Comics and on Facebook at Comic Comadres. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres. You can email us directly at comadrescomics at gmail.com. And like we said, uh, you can search Comadresy Comics Podcast on YouTube and we'll come right up on the list, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, also, just to ask our listeners out there if you guys can give us a review because we are publishing an ad on a comic book, uh, Mashbone and Grifty, and we'd like to include some reviews of our podcast on there. So if you want your uh, review on print, be sure to uh, review our podcast on I know that you have to log on to your iTunes account to do that. So if you could do that, we'd greatly appreciate it. We have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.